Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. All right, biggest accomplishment overall for Steve Wilkes, and it doesn't have to be a game, right? It can be the improvement and succeeding with Sam Darnold in those six games. It can be the rushing defense. It can be allowing Deontay Foreman to flourish. It could be a whole bunch of different. It's West. Well, good Lord, you took everything we could say. Eight mile. And Walker. Tell these people something they don't know about them. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. That's exactly what that was. This is the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. So much to talk about today. We've been talking in depth about the David Tepper press conference. Keep those texts coming on the Charlotte Men's Clinic. Text line 704-570-9610. But right now it is time to go to the campus. Kona! NC State fans, I'm sure, are happy today via Corey Smith reported on X that NC State freshman wide receiver Kevin Concepcion, also from Chambers High School, my alma mater, formerly of Vance High School, has signed with Savage Wolves NIL Collective for the 2024 season. The record-setting playmaker is set to remain with the Wolfpack next year. And this was a guy that I was almost certain was not going to come back to Raleigh next year because I thought those big SEC bags, those big Big Ten bags, those big Big 12 bags were going to come in for him and take him right out of Raleigh, but he says he is staying with the pack. So that's a tremendous pickup for them because State has been lacking in skilled talent for the last couple of seasons. So to be able to get this do-it-all receiver back is tremendous for them. And now they can build around Concepcion and whomever that quarterback may be for them uh, next season. Well, and think about, you said the last couple of seasons. I think most people would have continued to say that at the beginning of this year. Even we were discussing that on these airwaves. Through the first half of the season, Concepcion had 36 yards receiving, 24-62, had 116 against Virginia on the road, but then had seven on one reception against Louisville. Then MJ Morris comes in as the starting QB, and you see him start to go off. 160 63, 83, 60, 19 against Wake, 63, the big game against UNC, 131. But also in the second half of the year, Wes, that's when they started to rush him out of the backfield as well. The guy became a true weapon. I thought he was sensational against North Carolina. And if the conversation was NC State doesn't have a lot of skill talent, that was not true by the second half of this season. People will point to Brendan Armstrong and his play and the fact that the defense played so well also for this season's turnaround. All of that's true. Concepcion, just a big of a part of it because, man, when you have that kind of weapon giving it to you all which ways, that guy's going to help you win football games. Yeah, man. Uh, the transfer portal is wide open. We saw Tyler Van Dyke from Miami jump in the transfer portal yesterday. Uh, Arkansas, his name escapes me, but he was an all-SEC first-team linebacker and 
freshman All-American uh, has entered the portal. There's speculation. It's not official yet, but they are saying that Cam Ward from Washington State has already received 10 $1 million offers from various schools, including Ohio State, Miami, and some others uh, to come to their school. But he has transferred already, so that's going to be a little bit of a tricky situation. And where'd you say he transferred? I didn't see this. You said he did transfer. Oh, because he transferred to Washington State. Is yes. that what you're saying? Yes, Got he it. came from Incarnate Word. So how he ended mm. up there to start with is beyond me. I, I did want to ask this about North Carolina specifically mm. because I heard Flounder talking about it. And Fiddy, we can get to you as well. But with North Carolina moving on from the superhero QBs with Sam Howe and Drake May, both of those guys no longer going to QB for you. It's been a while since you've had anything close to an average QB in college football, but it, it, this is the opportunity for them to reach that now. Are they going to bring somebody in through the transfer portal? And if so, how much of a play are they to get somebody talented through the transfer portal if such a guy exists? Yeah, they may. I mean, like you said, this is all about the dollar. And so it's the Carolina alumni base. Are they going to fork up the money? Because when you look at the top transfer quarterbacks that are available, uh, there's Real Rogers from Mississippi State. He right now is rated the highest as a four-star. Max Brosmer from North uh, New Hampshire, I believe, is also up there. And then Tyler Van Dyke is now in the mix. So we'll see. But Carolina, they've been recruiting very well. Fitty, do you have any intel on what the Tar Heels may be thinking at the quarterback position? They got a crystal ball from the transfer portal 24-7 site today for Max Johnson, the A&M transfer. But I think he also, like Cam Ward, would be a two-time transfer. It's possible. I don't see them going that way. Connor Harrell was highly thought of when they brought him, when they recruited him. Um, his player comp coming out was, was Sam Howell. So if that's his player comp, it's really not a, a, a bad guy to live up to. Um, and I think it really depends on what the future of Mac Brown is. We'll maybe gauge the interest of the top flight transfer quarterbacks wanting to go to Chapel Hill or not. Uh, Fort Mill Niner helping North Carolina out by texting. They can have Trexler Ivy if they want to land that QB. <laughs> so there you go, Mac Brown. All right. The Appalachian State Mountaineers, they clinched the berth into the Sun Belt Conference Championship game as the East Division champ for the first time since 2021. When they travel to Troy next Saturday, they will be making their fourth appearance in the six-year history of the championship game. They've won two, lost one, tying Louisiana for the most appearances by a league school at the FBS level. App has now closed the regular season with a winning streak of at least five games on three occasions, 2023, 2021, and 2014. Joey Aguilar has been the catalyst for this offense. He is ranked second in the, in a season in Sunbelt history and among the top five touchdown passers in the FBS this season. So uh, App State got a championship game in championship week this week. Do you think that they'll be able to get this thing done? Um, I think they absolutely can with the way that they've been playing. What what a remarkable turnaround for Sean Clark in the second half of the year. We had real conversations about him getting fired, and then he has the win against Southern Miss. Should have had that win all the way. Marshall, that was when you started to really see some progress. And they went out. Wes, I mean, that schedule was daunting. That was a I, – we tried to put it in perspective as much as we could – but you had so many tough opponents left. 
and they don't lose a single one in the second half. I, it's crazy how well they performed. They beat the hell out of Georgia Southern 55-27. They got the monster win against James Madison on the road, college game day, in overtime. They didn't shy away from the moment. Why should I pick against them now? App State's been so good, especially the second half of the year. You mentioned Aguilar, a guy who we didn't expect to take over. I didn't think he was going to be the starting QB. Yeah, he looks like a stud. More than earned it. More he needs than to jump it. in that portal and come on the wake floor. Yeah, I've but, heard uh, you say it a couple he's times. He's got 33 touchdown passes, so as I said, that ranks him second in the season in Sunbelt history. Now, going back a little bit because the big news, in case you didn't hear, Frank Reich was uh, fired yesterday, so we weren't able to touch on all of the great college football news. But from the weekend, the game. Talking about Michigan and Ohio State, that was a classic. And also another classic, Alabama and Auburn. Michigan won by six over Ohio State. Alabama won off a crazy fourth down pass by Jalen Milrow that got them the victory. And so which game did you enjoy more between these two this weekend? So I I didn't watch the entirety of the Iron Bowl. I watched the second half of it. And I did watch the entirety of the game, as we've called it, and I didn't understand Fiddy's joke last week. But I did watch (laughs) Michigan and Ohio State in its entirety. It started off slow. I thought, okay, this is going to be a defensive juggernaut each team is facing. But then we really started to to see both of those teams get into the end zone. I, I think it was just because of the last play I go Alabama in the second half that I watched. One, you had the excitement of, Auburn being a real underdog in this game, even if that game always delivers, right? Auburn's still a pretty big underdog. Where I could have seen Ohio State or Michigan win, I thought Michigan was going to win. That's who most people picked, but you could have seen Ohio State come back. I still think watching Jalen Milrow, they gave it away. They lost that game on two plays where he had the fumbled snap. And then when he took the sack, I believe those are the back-to-back plays to set yourself up for a fourth and 30. Alabama was going to win it, and then I was so sure they were going to lose it after back-to-back yard-losing plays. And then Milrow has all the time in the world. Well, how many did they rush, Wes? Two? I think they ran two. Two and had a spy. And they had a spy. Yeah. Are you worried about a 20-yard rush on fourth and 30? Is that what you're worried about? Nick Saban, after the game, said, believe it or not, we practice it. Which I thought the way he delivered it, I thought it was a great quote. He's like, believe it or not, this is something we practice, but admittedly, you have to have some luck. You stack the right side. You hope that Jalen Milrow has enough time with them only rushing two. And then you throw it to the left and then have a guy make a beeline over there in the corner. Great throw. Great throw. But also awful defense. And that led to Alabama having lost the game in two plays. Got all of it back on a fourth and 30. For me, Wes, the play alone is what makes me pick the Iron Bowl. Yeah, both games were phenomenal. And to your point about Michigan and Ohio State, those games always start out like that because there's so much, there's so many nerves going on out there in the field. I feel like that they kind of feel each other out. And then you start to get the offense as the game goes along. But again, it was Michigan coming out there and just physically getting after Ohio State and at the end of the day, they just warmed down. They got it done, and then defense got the job done for them. And Sharon, Sharon Moore got out there and outcoached Ryan Day in this football game. Michigan went for it on fourth down a few times. Uh, Michigan was three for three on fourth down. They also uh, they, they had some nice plays to keep Ohio State off balance. And Kyle McCord, man, I thought all season that he was going to be the reason that they lost this game. 
J.J. McCarthy hit some big throws in this football game, but I thought McCord was going to be the reason they lost it, and he had two interceptions. He did not play good enough to win this game, but I thought the Alabama-Auburn game, listen. <laughs> I had to take a quick pause. pause. That's a as big I pause. watched that game, as I tweeted out, I was stupefied by what Auburn chose to do on defense. Not because you rushed three, but you have eight guys dropped in coverage. Why are you playing man? You had two or three guys doubled on that play, and then you have one-on-one coverage on the outside. Why? It's simple pursuit drill. Everybody play a zone in the back of the end zone. When the ball goes in the air, everybody converges to one spot. It was the worst defense ever. I said that my voice would have been hoarse from cussing people out. Probably fired the defensive coordinator on site. That was terrible. Auburn should have been able to get the win in that game, but they didn't. Jalen Miro got the play, and at the end of the game said, give me the Heisman. I think next year he's going to be the front runner for that game. Fitty, which one did you enjoy more of the two? Oh, as a closet Michigan fan, it was the <laughs> game. Because there are there aren't many things in life that I enjoy watching more than Ryan Day fail time and time again on the biggest stage. The guy was hand-gifted a top-three program in the country. And I know he took Ohio State to a national title game during the COVID year, and they lost by four touchdowns. So watching him get beat up again by Michigan was a lot of fun because no one thought the Iron Bowl was going to be any good until about the middle of the second quarter when it was realized, okay, this is actually going to be a good Iron Bowl. We all thought Alabama was going to go into or go go to the Plains and steamroll them. And so, um, but for me, it was it was I loved seeing the maize and blue just run all over those pansies from Columbus. <laughs> yeah, I never go into the Iron Bowl thinking that it's not going to be good. That game to me, it just always delivers. I enjoy it each and every year, and you just get so many memorable plays. Now, last year the 2022 version was not very good. And they have some blowouts here and there, but for the most part, these two, uh, they go at it tooth and nail. And so now, Fiddy, I'll ask you, I'll, I'll start it there. I thought Ryan Day, to me, it hasn't happened yet, so I guess it won't happen. But I thought that he should have been fired because, or he should be fired. Because I'm like, you get outcoached like that, you get outclassed, lose three straight to Michigan, and then you lose to the interim coach, not even Coach Harbaugh. We know he was... Uh, in the locker room, perhaps, or something like that, since he couldn't be on the sidelines. But I just thought that that was ridiculous. Maurice Claret chimed in and said that, Ryan, you're my guy, but you got to go. Nine million a year to lose three in a row to Michigan. Uh, what say you guys, Fiddy? What do you think? I know you love to fire people. That's why I started with you. I mean, look, I am fired guy. Whenever I have the authority to fire people, I'm going to be the David Tepper of radio, so everyone needs to watch out. He, no, I, I, I think it's right because at that school, you get judged more so than anything on that game. It's called the game for a reason. Like, yeah, they want to win the Rose Bowl. They want to win national championships. But you're going to do that if you can beat Michigan. And it's three straight years. It's the same fashion. And this year, Jim Harbaugh wasn't even on the other sidelines when he got out coached. So, yeah, I think they'd be justified in firing him and – They'd probably bring back Urban Meyer because they're pathetic. They probably would. I don't think he should be fired. We saw this with Jim Harbaugh even longer 
and he held on to the job, and now he's doing a great job with Michigan. I don't think Ryan Day should be fired. I think he's too good of a coach to lose his job, even if it's a big game. Don't think that should mean he doesn't have a job at Ohio State anymore. Yeah, and so uh, real quick, uh, Mike Elko took the job. Texas a and officially had the press conference yesterday. I mean, $7 million a year. That was going to be hard for Duke to compete with, I feel like. I don't think – I think Duke's making more of a commitment to football, but not enough to pay a coach $7 million a year. Texas A&M spending big Skrilla on coaches right now. It's the only way that you were going to get them, right? It's the money because the expectations are way too high for what I have as the expectations And he knew he had them school. over a barrel. So the money is just too much. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, when we come back, Scott Fowler joins us to talk about all things David Tepper and the Carolina Panthers on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I, I just right now, we should start the show. Wesson Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Talking a lot about the owner of the Carolina Panthers, David Tepper, and his press conference today following the firing of Frank Reich yesterday, where there are quite a few media personalities in attendance over at Bank of America Stadium. Some of them got to ask questions. Some of them didn't. One more notable than the other. Let's welcome that person here right now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Let's welcome Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer and charlotteobserver.com. He's host of the Sports Legends of the Carolinas podcast, also the Caruth podcast, too. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler. Scott, we appreciate the time. I promise we will not waste your scheduled 14 minutes on today's show. We are not going to waste that whatsoever. Let's get right to it. You wrote a column yesterday. You said David Tepper will soon hire his seventh head coach, probably in January. He only bought the Panthers in 2018. Tepper fires almost everybody at some point, but he hasn't fired the one person most responsible for his long run of chaos himself. That was the column that dropped yesterday. David Tepper held his press conference today after, after the firing of Frank Reich, and you attended, but you were not called on. To ask a question that does not happen for people that don't know. I'm very, you said this in response on Twitter. You said, I'm very unhappy with the Panthers for getting frozen out of asking a question at the David Tepper press conference, sat in the front row, raised hand high, wasn't called on, protested to no avail, felt like it was purposeful. This is the question, Scott. Have you ever felt intentionally frozen out at a press conference before this one? Uh, no, this might have been a first. I I have to say I've been at almost every key Panthers press conference in 29 years, and those first 29 years, I think I asked the question every time I wanted to at some point. I mean, you can't ask 10 questions, but you should get one if you're, I mean, the 
columnist at the local newspaper, that generally is, you know, part of it. I mean, I think that's, I felt it was uh, purposeful, yeah, that they, uh, I had written what you, you read a little excerpt up there, and they did not want to deal with me or my questions today. Yeah, how unprofessional did it feel, and do you feel that David Tepper is acting unprofessional compared to other people's press conferences that you've attended in the past? Well, I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know that, you know, I really don't know where this stemmed from or whatever. There were only eight questions asked. I went back and counted. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't like he, you know, got into 50 different questions. And I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm really being petulant about this. He did answer some. He did give some answers today that I, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit that were interesting. But, but yeah, I do wish I, you know, I, I mean, I, don't want to toot my own horn, but I was the one journalist here that spoke with Frank Reich uh, yesterday. He chose me to do that interview when he wanted to get some points across. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty normally there at Panther stuff, and I've, every other Tepper press conference I've been able to ask a question. So it is what it is, as John Fox used to say. Scott Fowler joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on X at Scott underscore Fowler and Scott. I would ask for Carolina Panthers fans, what, if anything, should they have taken from this press conference? <laughs> I thought the most notable thing uh, David Tepper said was that he does have patience and that uh, his quote was, my reputation away from his this game is one of extreme patience, which was a surprising thing for me to hear. And maybe that is his business reputation i can't say i know his business reputation but he certainly has seemed impatient here this is the third head coach he's fired nfl head coach he's fired during the season that's pretty rare and he's only been doing this for six years so i thought you know one thing i think you should take from it it was really short it was only 14 minutes long i thought that there weren't a lot of specifics to it uh he did say a few things and and i thought he put to rest a little bit the whole bryce young cj stroud controversy and whether he was the one who tipped the scale there he said that that was that room was unanimous um wanting to pick bryce young uh, for better or for worse in april so i I thought you know there were some few newsworthy elements to this press conference look no press conference is ever going to be easy the day after you fire somebody that's it's never going to be not tense in there but I do wish it had been handled uh, a little better. And so, too, when you look at this press conference and us getting to know Tepper's personality more, what is it maybe about him and his judgment that you feel like he's made the mistakes with the coaching hires that he has thus far or the coaches he didn't hire, like Steve Wilkes? Well, yeah, I, exactly, uh, Wes. And I I wrote back, you know, 10 months ago, and as, as did other people say this, uh, y'all may have said it too, uh, that Steve Wilkes should get that job. I thought Frank Reich was fine as a as a second choice, but I campaigned for Wilkes unsuccessfully, obviously. But I thought he that what he did last year was uh, not quite miraculous, but it was really, really good to go 6-6 six and six with that level of talent and that quarterback carousel they had. That was So I think he's He's just made the wrong hires. I'll say this for Tepper. He is not cheap. The man will spend money left and right. He's got an open checkbook, and he will he will spend to the very nitty-gritty of the salary cap. He's just picking the wrong people, uh, both as you know, as coaches and I, I, maybe as GMs, too. I 
you know, that's, that's another question that he did not answer today, whether Scott Fitterer, the GM, will continue to keep his job next year or not. But uh, I just think he's, it's, it's been, he's just been too involved in the football part of, of the Panthers, and he should stay more on the business side, sign the checks, see how that works for a year. Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer, charlotteobserver.com, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. And Scott, look, I get it, man. Like, you are a journalist with the utmost integrity. You are very professional, so allow us to discuss what it really is here. You know, this is a guy in David Tepper that is very online. Like, we we know about his interaction with you at the last press conference. Like, he reads your column, and yet here you go and write a very strongly worded column, and the headline is... It's himself that is the biggest problem with this franchise. I want to know what goes on in your mind as you're writing that column, knowing David Tepper having told you himself in the public eye that, yeah, he's going to be reading it if it's anything like what's happened in the past. Well, uh, you know, I I think about that with not just with David Tepper, but with everyone I ever write a story about, I assume they're going to read it. And I just try to be fair. Um, I don't try to criticize on, you know, weird things like personal appearance or something, or try not to take pot shots. I try to be fair and, and say sort of like Maya Angelou said, you know, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them the first time or however that quote goes, I I just go one more on actions. And so now we've got a real body of work with David Tepper. This is the sixth season. Uh, you know, it's not a coincidence anymore. I mean, they're 30 and 63, six straight losing seasons. I mean, that is a lot. And they're gone through. This will be their seventh head coach, uh, if you count interims, uh, you know, once they hire a new one in January. So that's what, uh, to me, is the that's the unprofessional part of it. It's just not being run very well, I don't think. That's the... That's the problem with Dave Tepper personally. I find my dealings with him almost always very engaging. I think he's very charismatic. I enjoy being around him. I just don't think they've done a good job over there in uh, in running the football team. Scott, what was the question you would have gone with had you been given the time to ask it? Well, it's funny that you say that because I'm writing a column sort of about this, which will be on charlotteobserver.com shortly. And please, uh, let me give a quick commercial. charlotteobserver.com has a ton of stuff about this press conference on it already, and my column will be posted soon. But I was just going to ask something that was not that unusual, and I was just going to be, you know, I wonder how much blame you take for what's gone wrong here since you bought the team. You fired three NFL head coaches in midseason. You're on your third interim head coach. Do you ever look in a mirror and say, is it me? That was what I was going to ask, but it didn't get asked. Scott, I was going to ask too now with the narrative that's going around with the Panthers and Tepper, is this going to be kind of a situation? We know Jerry Jones in the past, he did hire Jimmy Johnson, but they weren't able to uh, mesh long-term because of Jerry's strong personality and kind of the same thing with Parcells. Is this going to turn into a deal where Tepper's going to only hire someone that can – uh, get along with him and won't hire a great coach because the personality may be too much for him to handle. He's not going to take all of the meddling and things of that nature. I don't know. That's a good question. You know, somebody, I was talking to somebody who's a, I would say a Panthers insider uh, who's, who's been, uh, you know, in the org, you know, somebody who knows the team. And they, they said uh, if Tepper would hire somebody like Bill Belichick, if that came open, if he got fired in new England, 
that that might be the best thing for him, to have somebody like that who's absolutely not going to take it and just going to say, look, we're doing it my way if I'm coming. That's just the way it is. Uh, and, and no meddling whatsoever. So I don't know where he's going to go with this next one. I mean, uh, the guy in Detroit, uh, Ben Johnson, is exciting and I think that'd be a that'd be a great place to at least start a search, but I don't know if they're going to get a young guy like that. I mean, who's probably got other opportunities because the the track record here is not good. Unless you want to get paid for not working, in which case it's really good. <laughs> and wouldn't we all like that? I mean, that's that's Frank Reich. Uh, you know, we spoke yesterday and uh, a long conversation and. He is going to get paid uh, for the next four years. Now, he'd obviously rather be working here during those times, but that contract was fully guaranteed, and he coached 11 games. And so, Scott, too, how much of a say do you think Bryce Young's going to have in hiring the next coach? No, very little. I don't think that's really going to be a part of it. I I just think he's too young. Now, if you're, uh, if you're Aaron Rodgers or if you're – uh, one of these really established quarterbacks. I mean, Brady back when he was, you know, if they if they had ever replaced Belichick, I think absolutely that would be part of it. But I think Bryce, first of all, I think he likes to stay in his lane. He might be, I don't know, you know, they may keep him up to speed just to be nice because he's, you know, he's so important. But Bryce Young can get along with anyone. He is going to get along with whoever that coach is, and that coach will love Bryce Young because he's. He's about as nice a guy in an NFL locker room as you're ever going to see, and he tries super hard. Now, will he get more out of Bryce Young? Let's hope so, because we're all tired of 30 and 63. Scott Fowler, longtime Charlotte Observer columnist here in the Queen City, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Check him out, his work on charlotteobserver.com, and you can find quite a bit of work there. Not only do you have a column on David Tepper and his tenure so far, but there also is that one-on-one interview with Frank Reich. Scott, I wanted to ask you about that. What was your number one takeaway from your interview with the now-fired Panthers head coach? How gracious he was and how he took the high road on a, in a way that I'm not sure I could have done. And I'm not sure many people could have done, uh, Frank. I mean, I spoke with him. This was only a few hours after he'd gotten the word. I mean, this, he had really had little time to process it. And, um, the way that he put it, uh, you know, that this is that the NFL is a meritocracy. And while, he enjoyed his interactions with David Tepper and he had no hard feelings. He also understood that there's not unconditional love between an owner and a coach. So you, you have to have conditions on it. You have to win. He understood he hadn't won enough. He wished he had had more time. Of course, uh, anyone would when you only have 11 games, it sounded in that way, much like when I spoke with Matt rule last year after he got fired, but he had two and a quarter years, you know, he coached 38 games here. Frank coached 11. So that's a that's a massive difference, really, in, in how long. But all that said, major takeaway, and that story is on charlotteobserver.com. I don't think he's spoken anywhere else still. Um, I just thought he was he was very gracious. He was very Frank Reich, which is it's the same way he was when he was here in 1995. And I think that's partly why we you know he 
chose me for this interview was because I did cover him. All my gray hair finally paid off. I covered him back in 1995. Too, I did say a long time. Quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I did say a long time. That was not an age joke, though. It was just you, you've been here a, a long time. Kind way to say it, Walker. No, it's Thank okay. You. It's okay, Scott. We appreciate. It. I did want to ask you this too. Just in your time talking with him, did you get the sense that Frank Reich felt this was his last go around as an NFL head coach? Yes. Uh, yes, and that, that's in the story. And he, he did say probably, he did not say definitively, but he said, I think the quote was, this is probably the last segment of my journey in the NFL after 30-plus years as a player and a coach. And he's like, he's going to turn 62 next week. He's got grandchildren. I mean, you know, he certainly is not – he's healthy. He's, he's wealthy. He's got a lot of – life to live and i'm not sure he wants to go you know he could he could become an offensive coordinator again probably in the nfl next year but i don't know that he wants to to start over again it sounded to me and of course things change but it sounded to me like we we've seen the last of frank reich on an nfl sideline and then scott the last thing i'll ask you too is if you could you know kind of build the traits for a head coach here that would be needed to try to turn this thing around, what what would you be looking for? Well, I think, you know, you, you're going to try to get – it's it's got to be offensive-oriented, right? I mean, the last couple of years defensively have been okay. And they've got – if they can keep Brian Burns around, which I would certainly advocate – they're going to have a head start on next year's defense being pretty good. So I think it, it's got to be a, an inventive head coach. I don't care what their age is, young or old, but I think they need to be offensively uh, empowered to do whatever they want to there. I think they have to be someone with a real backbone who can stand up to a GM or an owner or your offensive coordinator and say, even if it is their first head coaching job, which quite likely it will be in the NFL, and say, look, we're doing it my way. This is the way we're. This is this is how it's going to be, and we're going to get Bryce to do this and that. I continue to think Bryce is going to be okay if you can just get skilled players around him. So the biggest thing is going to be that building that that skill position roster. All right, speaking of silver ha- uh, hair, Scott, uh, I wanted to go to Bob McKillop because you have a book signing on Saturday with Bob McKillop, also Judy Rose, before you can, um, you know, really, yeah, I know you can give some information on that. Where can people go to find more information on your book signing and what can people expect? Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, we do. This is at Park Road Books, one of the really great uh, venues in Charlotte. Park Road Books is an independent bookstore in Park Road Shopping Center. And uh, Judy and Bob McKillop are nice enough to join me. Uh, we are launching the Sports Legends of the Carolinas book, which and we'll be there 12 to 1.30, 12 noon to 1.30 this Saturday, December 2nd, um, with the Sports Legends of the Carolinas book. But if you can't come out, just go to sportslegendsbook.com, and you can uh, buy it there. It is a perfect holiday gift for the sports fan in your family. All right. I'll be there. I'm going to try to be there. It's right down the road. And so it'll be a lot. It'll be really cool. That's Scott Fowler, Charlotte Observer, charlotteobserver.com, host of the Sports Legends of the Carolina podcast, Caruth. 
podcast as well. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler. And by the way, go check out that Frank Reich interview, the column on David Tepper. Lots of good stuff in there that we did not get to here, despite this lasting longer than David Tepper's press conference earlier today. Scott, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks, Scott. Always a pleasure. Thank you all so much. Bye. All right. That is the legendary Scott Fowler talking about David Tepper. Too much professionalism from Scott, to be honest with you. Too professional at this thing, man. He was. I wanted him to go in, but you know, that's just not his MO. <laughs> it's not what's going to happen. You know, He knows this game too well. We're with the nonsense here on Western I know. Walker. We man. wanted the nonsense. <laughs> we did, but he didn't give it to us. All right, let's go to the second Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? Fitty. Another achievement for LeBron James, but like most of his achievements, they've come in losing fashion. He set the record for most minutes played in the history of the NBA last night, all while enduring the worst loss of his career, a 44-point thrashing to the Philadelphia 76ers. So another achievement, Mm -hmm. but another L for the guy that himself called himself the king before ever entering the NBA. I had no doubt where that was going to go once he brought up a LeBron James achievement. Yeah, no doubt about it. I watched a little bit of that game last night, but yeah, they got smashed. So that record was certainly smeared by the 76ers. You guys want to open up the phone lines again? Talk about the coaching radar? Let's do it. You want to do it? You want to welcome the people? All right, let's do it. You can call in 704-570-9610. We are going to take the pulse of Panther Nation after David Tepper's press conference today. And Frank Reich's firing yesterday. 704-570-9610. I'll repeat it one more time. 704-570-9610. Let's hear your thoughts and comments coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7. Thanks to Scott Fowler coming in, giving us more insight on the David Tepper and Frank Reich situations. Keep those texts coming. But we are opening up the phone lines. 704-570-9610, Pulse of Panther Nation, part two for today. Let us know how you are feeling. So let's flood these phone lines and talk some Panthers football. What did you think of what Scott Fowler had to say? What did you think of the press conference? It's all open for discussion. I'm interested to hear what people think, not only about David Tepper, but you asked the last question to Scott, what are some of the qualities you want to see in a new head coach? Yes. And I, 
I don't know what kind of head coach would agree to work with David Tepper. He was asked that question because of all of the firings that have taken place within your short tenure. Do you believe that serves as a deterrent to guys wanting this job? And he said no. He said he wasn't going to get into the specifics as to why some people might have not received an interview or as why you know some things didn't work out compared to others. But he said no, that was not going to deter some of the better candidates taking this job. And I, I hope that's true. Now, Ben Johnson has been the guy, Wes, that is at this time our number one priority. That's the guy that we would want first and foremost. Adam Schefter actually had some audio on this. He joined the Pat McAfee show and said he does have his doubts that Ben Johnson would want the Panthers job. Here's the issue is last year they wanted Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson didn't want them. So why would, if Ben Johnson didn't want Carolina last year, what's going to make Ben Johnson want them this year when they don't have their number one overall pick, when they built it around Bryce Young? Now, again, maybe they're going to pay him so much money and give him so much power and control that they can convince him to leave the confines of Detroit to come to Carolina, which he was unwilling to do last year. Ben Johnson's going to get a job somewhere as a head coaching candidate, right? The question is, where? So is Carolina the job that he's waited for? The problem is that there are other opportunities. Because the the thing that would allow him to come to Carolina, it would be money. And David Tepper, he can compete with everybody but the Waltons, okay? So he can compete with everyone that way. Maybe that would persuade him to come over to Carolina. Maybe he sees some kind of ability in Bryce Young, something special in the number one overall quarterback, but there are going to be other opportunities. If there weren't and the other situations weren't great, then I think maybe you could finally get him striking when the iron's hot. He, you know, you can only turn down so many jobs, right? He did last year, decided to go back with Detroit because he felt they were going to be good. He had enough confidence in himself that he was going to call a good offense. And so he'll get another opportunity the following season. You don't want to continue to do that until you give them a reason to not inquire about an interview anymore. Joe Brady, not that he turned any jobs down, but remember when he was here in Carolina, he got interview after interview after interview. I think like, I mean, it might have been six. It was something crazy like that. The next year, dude doesn't have an offensive coordinator job in Carolina anymore. So that would be the reason. But Wes, the Chargers are viewed as such a favorable destination because you have Justin Herbert, because you have some talent. And I think I even heard Adam Schefter say he would take the over on like seven to ten jobs opening up this offseason. Yeah, when you look at the list of most desirable jobs and you see potential opportunities like the Raiders, the Patriots, the Bears, of course the Carolina Panthers, the Commanders, and the Chargers. And the Chargers are going to be the most attractive because they have the best roster. There's tons of talent there waiting to be unleashed. But again, I also say that when you look at the odds, and we talked about this yesterday, but Ben Johnson had the shortest odds. And I think that the thing that will get Ben Johnson here to Carolina is money and desperation. I mean, David Tepper knows that he's not in a position to be choosy. And so if he calls Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson automatically knows, hey, I know I'm your number one candidate right now, unless Bill Belichick becomes available and then maybe Tepper wants to go that route. But as far as what we know right now and who could be available, Ben Johnson's going to be sitting there knowing, listen, I know I'm your type guy, and he's going to get the best offense. So Tepper, I think, will throw a lot of money at him to be able to make this happen. You said Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. We've asked this question to fans before. 
You can text in if you want, 704-570-9610. That's the number of the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. Do you want Bill Belichick to coach this team? The reason I'm focusing on him for just a moment, you ask Scott Fowler this, you ask the rundown this question. Is there a head coach built to deal with David Tepper and his meddling ways? (laughs) I mean, if it's not Bill Belichick, then who is, right? That would be the guy. He might get... We expect him to get dropped in New England, the franchise that he won six Super Bowls with. Mm -hmm. But that's the guy, Wes, that would be able to do his own thing, I would have to imagine, even with David Tepper at the helm. Maybe I'm naive for thinking David Tepper would respect him enough to let him do the football thing. But if not him, then quite literally nobody, Wes. Is that the guy you point to as the coach to deal with David Tepper? Well, and built to deal with this can go a couple of ways. You can talk about built to deal with it in that they're just going to come in and be that yes man and be that guy that will allow him to be able to do what he can or the coach that does come in, like you said, like a Belichick would be and say, hey, we're not doing that. I'll do my job. You do yours. Stay in your lane. And so Belichick is built in that sense. But do we know of Tepper's? built to be able to deal with a head coach like that. This is a guy that's used to getting what he wants. People have called him a narcissist. We've already heard that from people and what we saw in this press conference today. So so from what we see today, it doesn't seem like he's the type of guy that's going to take a guy that's going to tell him where he can go when he's getting on his nerves. So it's probably going to have to be a younger coach that's not as seasoned and a guy that's going to be happy to have that first job and willing to deal with some of the things that come with it. So, I think when you look at some of these younger coaches, the Ben Johnsons, Mike McDonald's, and uh, some of those guys, but I think you look at a guy like the enemy, there would be some clashing there. Harbaugh, there would be some clashing there, but also you add a Bobby Slowick to the mix. So I think all of those guys, and maybe even a Dan Quinn from Dallas could be a good candidate to come in because he's already been in that Dallas atmosphere with Jerry Jones being around as much as he is. So maybe he knows how to navigate that. So I think for whatever head coach comes in here, it's going to take a delicate balance. But I think when you talk about the real veterans of the industry, as I just said, the B enemies, the Harbaugh's, the Belichick's, Tepper's then going to have to do a G check, so to speak, and say, hey, am I ready to deal with these type of guys? Because they're going to be very strong personalities. All right. I wanted to read the text messages about Bill Belichick because they're pretty funny to me. Uh, NASCAR Brad, he wrote in, I'd rather have you, Walker, than Bill Belichick. Look, he's not done a great job (laughs) of doing them this year. I know. Wes is probably right in saying that, even if it was the fake Wes over the air. (laughs) Moose said Harbaugh would deal with Tepper. The only other guy that I thought of, but I, yeah, it would just be crazy back and forth. What a... (laughs) I would love to hear those conversations. Like, I actually hope they do meet every week. You know how he does. He'd be, uh, Dave, uh, I, I, uh, you know how to tell me, he takes those long pauses. Is this Harbaugh or Dave? Yeah, Harbaugh. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, I don't think I'm going to be, uh, doing those things, Dave. I, I think you should just, uh, Stay up in your office. Okay. What would Dave Tepper say to that, Fiddy? <laughs> if David Tepper heard Jim Harbaugh say that to him in one of the weekly meetings, how would David Tepper respond to that? Yeah, yeah, Jim, uh, I know you did that at Michigan and you stole those signs, but you're not going to steal <laughs> free money from me. Go drop some ketchup on your pants while you eat your steak and milk. <laughs> that was pretty good. Steak and milk. Is that a Kyle thing I even out there cracking up. Steak and milk is a thing for Jim Harbaugh, or did you just make that up? I think uh, no, I, made I that think, no, no, uh, I think I did. 
hear him say he drinks milk with every meal. I got to put our research team on that drum. Okay, so, yeah, drum, where are you, drum? Does Jim Harbaugh eat steak and milk and also drop ketchup on his pants? Are all of those things true? He's got to be, right? Like, the, the dude has to wear a bib at Thanksgiving. Yeah, he, um, this came out in an article October 2016. They said it's only right that Harbaugh visited and had some steak, and then he apparently ordered a tall glass of milk along mm. with the steak. A lot of people noticed the milk on Twitter. Some also noted that there appears to be no steak sauce. What kind of milk are you drinking with the steak? <laughs> yeah, it's Whole like a, milk, 2% almond. Almond milk, vanilla milk, chocolate <laughs> milk. Yeah, he loves milk. I like to go to somebody that knows about, instead of a steak wine pairing, a steak milk pairing. Mm, this goes excellent with the 2%. Yeah, I would not enjoy There's it. only one man for the mm, job. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. You don't drink milk with a great cow. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That would be mean. That means you just hate cows at that point. Drinking milk and eating a steak at the same time, like you really hated that cow that you got both of those resources from. And for that, we apologize to the cow. Uh, we got a lot of people writing in on Bill Belichick. We'll read some of those texts on the other side of the break. We also have to get to the live wire. Got some sound bites to play you. And we didn't forget, it's Second Take Tuesday. We're just going to do Frank Reich edition. Second Take Tuesday Going over some of the games that Frank Reich did coach for the Panthers this season. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.